Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for refreshed and the D stands for discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Dawn Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us during the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. In this episode, we're tackling a reader why, and our reader why for this week is enhancing a season, reading books that really make the season come out for you. So we're talking about fall. Yeah, so you guys are listening to this in October, but when we're recording this, it's the first day of fall. So in Texas, that doesn't usually mean much, but today we actually have like 84 degree weather, which is, you know, it was 100 and something three days ago. So we're feeling our fall today. But how do you feel about fall, Dawn? Are you like a into fall? Are you a pumpkin spice latte kind of person? Um, I hate all things pumpkin. I do not eat pumpkin anything, but I do love fall because I am a football fan. And so fall for my family means college football all day Saturday, NFL all day Sunday. And it's very comforting to me, even if I'm working on other things or doing things around the house, just to have the game going in the background. Yeah, I'm a big football fan too. Not so much for a pro, but I am a college fan. Um, So it means that for us too. But I think, and I'm not a pumpkin spice latte person either. So I keep my coffee the same all year long. Although I'm not anti-pumpkin. I don't have deep feelings about pumpkin. But fall is my favorite season. It's my birthday season. Um, It's, you know, when school starts and I'm a nerd who loves school. So when summer was ending, it was like time to buy all the school supplies and, you know, get a new backpack. And all of that feels like very comforting to me. So I'm definitely pro autumn. (laughs) And one of the things I like about fall the most is seasonal reading. So for books, um, fall is the big book release season. So that's when all those big bestsellers start getting released. They they usually hold them for fall release, unless it's a summer themed book, because summer reading has its own vibe. So there's lots of new books coming out in the fall. All the TV shows are coming out. It's, you know, kind of that season of renewal and reading can enhance that. It can be part of your reading life, um, but not for everybody. So today we wanted to talk about, um, like Dawn said, it's a reading why. So the why would be, do you, how do you enhance your reading through, via the season? So some people read their why is to enhance the feeling of whatever season they're in. Um, so since we're in fall, we're going to focus on that today. But what does seasonal reading look like for you, Dawn? Do you, are you a seasonal reader? Do you do that? I don't really get into seasonal reading, although I did for this podcast. I made some choices related to that. I have found that being a former teacher, I always want to buy a new planner in the fall. I always want to start, you know, laying out things that I guess normal people do in January, but those of us who his entire lives have started in September, that's where I go with that. Um, Being an independent editor, I get a lot of books that are fall or Christmas related, but I'm reading them in July. Right. So it's not really enhancing anything for me because I'm reading this sweet little Christmas story and it's 112 degrees outside. (laughs) Right. Yeah. um, One of my teachers who I follow on Facebook, she lives somewhere where they're typing a, a Hallmark movie right now. So they've decorated their whole town like Christmas, but it's 
you know, 100 degrees outside in uh, in September or August when this is happening. So that's probably how it must feel for you when you're reading all these cozy, you know, wintry books in, uh, in the middle of our very, very hot Texas summer. So for me, seasonal reading is a thing. Like I really lean into it. Um, I do it for summer, but I also, I think fall is my favorite reading season because I love campus novels. So if you haven't heard that term before, it's books usually set at college. So not necessarily campus high school. Um, these sometimes have a dark vibe. So dark academia kind of vibe, which is really like my zone. And I'm gonna be giving you a lot of book recommendations today that kind of fall into that. But all the campus novels come out right now. So my book TBR gets taller. Um, and then of course, like we talked about in the last episode, Dawn is a scaredy cat. But yes, I do not read. <laughs> Anything that's going to keep me awake at night? No. Yeah. Halloween is not my favorite season. Right. But for me, all the horror books come out right now. And I love reading scary books. So um, I read them all year long. So I don't limit it to this season. But I do feel like more inclined to pick up Stephen King or something, you know, during the fall season. Um, so I do have recommendations for that. We're not going to cover those today because we get to do a special Halloween episode um, at the end of the month. So I'm saving my best scary recommendations for then. Um, but I also tend to pick up more true crime in the fall. So I recently read one that was true crime set on campus. So it was like the two worlds coming together. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but that one I'm not actually, it's not on my list to recommend today, but um, I will probably put that in a Halloween episode, but for those who don't like to wait, um, it's called We Keep the Dead Close by Becky Cooper. So it was, had a campus feel, but also a true crime feel. So, um, and then my other weird kind of fall reading, like you were saying, Dawn, with getting a planner, and I'm definitely getting all the planners right now. So if any of you follow me on Instagram, I take pictures of all my planners and planner supplies and things, but um, so I have purchased my new planner for 2022. I'm very excited. Um, but I also get in the vibe for like organizing during this time. So I think it's what you were saying about the school year starting. Summer is that like relaxed kind of everything's loosey-goosey. You're waking up at whatever time with the kids and all of that. So when my son goes back to school, it's like a reset and I want my whole house to be reset. I want to organize. I want to clean things out. So I start reading books about minimalism and clutter-free and organizing. And even though I'm not technically a minimalist, I love reading books about it. <laughs> so um, it makes me want to clean my house. So sometimes if I'm like, I need to clean the house, I'll actually pick up a book about it because it inspires me like to see the clutter that's there. Um, so I tend to do that more in the fall. And then I get a, you know, a kind of a reboot of it in January when everybody's setting resolutions, I'm picking up those organizing books again. So you can tell my organizing lasts. <laughs> A really long time if I'm reading in September and cleaning and then in January I'm doing it again but yeah so that's kind of my seasonal reading zone so if you're looking to enhance the season you want to really get into fall and really get into that pumpkin latte or what is it pumpkin spice latte pumpkin spice latte mood we're going to talk about a couple of things you can do even if it is 100 degrees outside you could start off by picking out books that happen during colder weather. Yeah, so I do this on purpose too because it is so hot here. Like the, the transition from summer to fall in Texas is just really hot to hot. So there's not really that, we're not picking up sweaters, we're not wearing jeans yet. You know, it's it still feels like summer. So for me to pick up a book at night usually, and it's like people are wearing flannel and they're sitting by fireplaces and, you know, they're walking through 
color changing leaves and all that, like it gives me a taste of fall that we really don't get here because our fall season really like leaves changing and stuff lasts like two weeks. Like we get a little bit of nice weather and then it's cold. Mm -hmm. So it's hot, 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 two weeks, cold. (laughs) That's all we get. Well, and I've lived um, in the South my whole life in Texas and in Oklahoma in that area. And I distinctly remember as a child reading a book and I'm pretty sure it was a Judy Bloom book um, because it was probably a middle grade or maybe lower YA book. And there was a whole thing in there about the fact that these kids were having to wear jackets over their Halloween costumes. And I thought that was the weirdest thing I'd ever heard of because never in my life had I had to wear a jacket over my Halloween costume. Right. Usually you're sweating in your Halloween costume because it's still hot. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I feel like I can't remember where the babysitter's club was set. I think was it Connecticut maybe it's somewhere in new England ish, but they often had seasonal kind of books. So when I was a kid reading those, like it was, you know, that feeling of like, Oh, they're wearing jackets and all of this. So yeah, I think it really can help to pick out books that are maybe you're in a cold place and you want to, you know, pick up those just to kind of get in the mood too. So you don't have to live in a hot place to, in order to pick up cooler weather books. But I do know people who live in deep winter though, and pick up summer books to like remind themselves that beaches exist. Yes. <laughs> so, I think that's yeah. important. That's probably a mental health thing. You need to remember right. that the sunshine is out there. Yes. Yes. So, and if it's not the kind of changing weather that puts you in the mood for fall, if it's that back to school feeling, try some of the campus novels that I'm going to recommend. So where you're like dark, suspenseful stories, magical school stories. So like when I think of like Harry Potter and stuff, I kind of get that like fall vibe from that. It's not a summer book for sure for me. Like I, I picture, you know, these dark castle type schools and like leaves changing outside and, you know, people wearing scarves for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Because it's always cold there, evidently. So you have to wear your scarf and your robe. Right, right. And YA, too, is a good place to look. So YA stands for young adult, for those that don't know. Um, But teen books often start at the start of a school year. So you can get that kind of school feeling if you're not into the dark academia books that I'm going to recommend. Um, Lots of that fall vibe of starting schools in YA. And if it's Halloween and scary books that you like, which, you know, not Dawn's thing, but for me, um, if you want to enhance that kind of scary season, because I feel like, especially um, Halloween and Thanksgiving, they get sucked up by the Christmas season. So Mm -hmm. if you go into like, you know, the stores right now, they're already putting out Christmas decorations. So those of us who actually love Halloween, um, it kind of gets skipped over. So if you want to stretch that out more than that one day um, of Halloween, then pick up some darker suspense or horror novels. And if full out horror isn't your thing. Like if you don't want like, you know, really super scary, try something campy. So um, I like Grady Hendrix for that. Now he can get kind of gory. um, So be warned, but I I feel like there's a lot of dark humor in his books. So it's like a campy horror. If you grew up in the eighties and nineties, campy horror is like Scream, the movie. So where there's, you know, killing and blood and stuff. Um, and scary things, people in white masks, but um, there's also funny parts of it and there's some levity to it. So I really liked those kind of books. And then if you want something without the blood and gore, look for ghost stories, lighter paranormal stuff. Um, There's horror adjacent books. So that have like a horror setup. I I keep saying horror and I sound like I'm saying another word, you guys. I'm not (laughs) saying that other word. There's no good way to say that. Um, But horror adjacent books, like, I think of the author Riley Sager. I think it's, mm-hmm. that's how it's pronounced. Um, his books, it's this girl name, but it's a guy author. 
usually have horror setups. Have you read Riley Sager? I have. And when we do our Halloween episode, I'm going to have some darker suspense suggestions mm. on there, but he is one that I can handle. He's right at my like sweet spot of this is just enough to creep me out, but I'm not waking my husband up at three o'clock in the morning and being like, Hey, you need to go find out what that sound was. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's a perfect like crossover book. So if you kind of like the idea of horror, like setups, like the story sounds interesting, but then you're scared of like the horror elements. Um, Riley Sager does, does more of the suspense elements in a horror structure, if that makes sense. So, and then of course, you know, true crime, which we've talked a little bit about already. We talked a little bit about on the last episode, um, that, that will definitely give you a creepy feeling, you know, and put you in that, that mode of thinking about scary things. So unfortunately it's real scary things. So your mileage may vary if you don't, you know, want to think about actual killers out there in the world. Um, and then if you want something lighter, but that still has a like Halloween vibe, look for paranormal romance. So romance that has, you know, vampires or werewolves or ghosts or shifters or Dawn, you edit a lot of different stuff. So do you have paranormal? I edit a lot of paranormal, a lot of fantasy and a little bit of sci-fi. And I love the monster of the week type thing. Like Scooby-Doo is a great level for me. Um, And so yes, picking up those paranormals and you can choose your own level of romance within that, Mm -hmm. but finding the, okay, it's a little creepy because this person's a werewolf. Are they a friendly, like Jacob style werewolf from Twilight? Who's going to come snuggle up to you? Or are they about to rip your head off? You don't really know yet. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I definitely support those. Yeah. And what I like about paranormal romance is what you're saying that you can pick like some of them get really kind of dark or scary and some of them are really light and focus more on the romance. So think about, I'm going to use popular books because it's easier. Most people have heard of them, but like on your lighter side is going to be your YA paranormals, like a twilight, right? There's some scary stuff in there. They get scarier as they go along, but it's very focused on romance too. It's YA. So there's only a certain level of you know, blood and gore they're going to go to. And then you have like the Sookie Stackhouse books by Charlene Harris, which are what's the True Blood TV show is based on, where they're falling in love with vampires, but those vampires can also rip you apart. <laughs> so there is a big horror element to those in addition to the romance. So, and there's all kinds of things that span in between that. So um, I'm trying to think of like Cressley Cole and some other, you know, paranormal romance authors, but maybe we'll do an episode or do some of those in the Halloween episode. Um, but that's a place to go that'll give you that Halloween feeling without having to read like straight up, you know, scary books. Um, and then, like you said, a little bit about sci-fi or speculative fiction. I think it's called speculative fiction now, but it's what a lot of us grew up knowing as sci-fi. Um, dystopian books. So dystopian means, you know, a world that is different than our own. That is not great. <laughs> it's different than our own in a bad way. Um, so those can also give you some scary stuff without being like, people getting ripped apart. (laughs) Yes. And then if you're looking for the comfort of the season, like you said Halloween, like you're a big Halloween person. I'm a big Thanksgiving person. Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. is actually my favorite holiday. Really? Because Hmm. it's all the fun of everybody getting together and there's food. I'm a big fan of food. There's food and there's football and there's no pressure on gifts. Mm -hmm. And so yes, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays, probably my top favorite holiday. And so it just has that cozy, let's curl up on the couch and get an afghan. And as my husband would say, I will watch the game as I'm falling asleep. So (laughs) let's watch the game, that kind of thing. 
So if you're looking for that, then you can go towards the cozy mysteries or um, the contemporary romance books that have the Hallmark vibe, which if you're looking for that, Harlequin usually has a really good line of those. Um, in my recommendations, I'm going to recommend two that were Harlequins that I read recently that just give you that fun, it's fall, but there's you don't have the pressure of and craziness of Christmas yet and no spooky stuff. <laughs> so again, Thanksgiving to me is all pressure because I'm the one who cooks. So oh, I cook too, but you cook like... You well, I cook. really cook. I just create a meal and people eat it or don't. Yeah. I cook for like a big group of people. So right. yeah, I love to cook. And y'all will probably see this in this, you know, podcast along the way. I'll end up recommending cookbooks at some point, I'm sure, because I'm obsessed with them. Um, but yeah, I cook. I like cooking for my family. I'm not stressed by that. When I cook for large groups of people, then my A plus student thing comes in and I need to have everything perfect. And I get mired in the planning and with dishes and I make usually make the mistake of making things that I've never made before <laughs> because it sounds interesting. Yeah. Don't do that. If you're entertaining, don't do that. Um, but yeah, so the cozy feeling, um, another way that you can get that for me is I love books about books. So, or books set in bookstores. So for some reason, well, not for some reason, for a very specific reason, going into a bookstore has always felt very comforting to me. I love books. So libraries, bookstores, all of that is like my happy place. So if I want to feel cozy and happy, um, reading a book that's set in a cute little bookstore or reading a book about reading itself, you know, so it's kind of like meta that you're reading a book about books is a great way for me to like kind of get in that mood of like I'm cozy and reading about reading. And then another one for me goes along with the cookbook thing is I love a food memoir. So this can be by a chef it can be by a mom, you know, who's talking about feeding her kids and how she learned how to cook. It could be about people starting a restaurant. Anything to do with like that food world is my jam. So I want to eat all the things that they cook. I want to, you know, I want to buy their cookbooks and all of those things. But um, Ruth Reichel, Rachel, the editor of Gourmet Magazine, she has a bunch of food memoirs and I can always like go to hers and I feel like comforted or like the Julia Child book. You know, like just that whole vibe. Now, Julia and Julie, I don't know. I might be reversed on that. Julie and Julia, watch the movie. The book wasn't my favorite. So, okay. So I just have to jump in here because never in my life have I read a food memoir. So just for for the people who are listening and they're like, oh, this is not, no, I've never read that. Are you the person who reads like the seven paragraphs of a blog post before they'll give you the actual recipe? Sometimes. So if they're a good writer, I will. But like the head notes in a cookbook. So that's the the paragraph before in a cookbook. I totally read those. So I like people's stories about why they came up with a recipe or what this recipe means to their family or, you know, how how they made this six different ways and it didn't work and they found this one trick. I don't know. I'm just, I love food. I love cooking. Um, So that really does it for me. And I don't have this in my list of recommendations, but I will just throw it out there. I read a book called Dinner, A Love Story by, I'm going to have to put it in the show notes. I think her name is Jenny Rosen something. (laughs) (laughs) That's officially Rosen something. But she wrote about learning to cook through her life. So when she first was in college and when she got married and then how that changed when she had kids and she has recipes interspersed in there. I think they actually label it as a cookbook, but it really is a food memoir. 
But like, I loved that because it made me think about how my cooking changed. Like when it was just me and my husband and I had, I walked into my marriage knowing how to cook three things. I was a Louisiana girl. I knew how to make red beans and rice. I knew how to make roast in a crock pot and I knew how to make French bread pizza. (laughs) So those are my three things. Cause you know, my mom wasn't huge into cooking, you know, she had her basic things, but she didn't really, you know, that wasn't a joy for her. So I started buying cookbooks when I got married and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn how to do this. Now I have hundreds of cookbooks and my cooking has changed. And so I loved reading that journey of like what meals look like when it's just the two of you and you're trying to like have an impressive meal for just, you know, something adventurous. And then when you have a toddler who's throwing everything off his plate and is allergic to milk or whatever, you know, and like, so I really resonated with that. So that was like a huge comfort read for me. So if you're looking for a food memoir to start with, that's one that's really quick and easy um, to read because it's got lots of recipes too. So it's not a lot of content, but if you're trying, if you want to try Dawn, if you're ever like, well, I'm just thinking, okay, first we have to do an episode on cookbooks that just has to happen. And in our bonus content, we have to show a picture of your cookbook room, basically, (laughs) versus my cookbook shelf that isn't even full. Um, When I read through those, I am looking for two things. One, does it have anything on the very long list of things that my family will not eat? And two, is this going to require me to put on my shoes and go to the store? Those are my only like requirements. I don't read the story of how this is your grandmother's recipe that's been passed out. I don't care. Tell me (laughs) if it has onions in it. That's what I need to know. Right. But yes, we totally have to do a cookbook recipe or a cookbook episode now. It might need to be a series based on how many cookbooks. (laughs) (laughs) So also beyond the food memoirs and dark books and all of that, a few other things I can give you that fall feeling. Um, Obviously cookbooks like we just talked about, but also... If you're into nonfiction, motivational essay collections. So if you're a mom reading a, you know, collection of essays by a mom talking about family life, or if you're into writing, reading a book about, you know, essays about writing, those can really kind of give you a close, cozy feeling because it's a memoir. So if somebody's writing about their own life, you kind of feel, if they write it well, you kind of feel drawn in to their life, to their world. And especially if it's, not some big giant memoir about somebody that did something amazing. Like if it's those little everyday stories, um, they can be really special. So I feel like in the fall, I tend to go to those two of like, you know, kind of getting motivated, you know, in one way, but also just that cozy feeling of reading about other people's um, home stories and their lives and all those things. So, well, and those can make you feel comforted and sometimes so much better about your own home life. Right. <laughs> You're like, Oh, and it doesn't mean that their home life is terrible, but it does make you feel like, oh, so it's completely normal that I haven't been able to get everybody to, you know, get just everybody to school on time solidly for a week without using my teacher voice. And (laughs) right. Yeah, that camaraderie feeling to me feels cozy. All right. So we have gotten through what you can read during the fall if you want to enhance it. But now we can get more specific. Yes. So the big part of this is... Um, we have tons of reading recommendations for you. So we're going to start with Ronnie because she literally has like a scroll. So picture <laughs> picture us walking out and like the paper rolling out down in front of us. So Ronnie, tell us about your favorite seasonal reads. All right. So because fall is my favorite reading season, um, I had a lot and I had to narrow it down to what am I going to pick? So 
I, like I told you guys, I'm reserving the scary books and the creepy books for our Halloween episode. So I thought today what I would do is focus on one of my very, very favorite subgenres, which is campus novels. Also sometimes called dark academia, but not all of these are going to be dark. Most of them are, but not all of them. Um, so if you've never read these, this is the kind of book that you, if you loved college, if you love that feeling of like walking under the trees and going to class and like that whole kind of vibe. Um, if you like to watch movies that are set in New England colleges at Ivy Leagues, those kinds of things, um, you might like campus novels. So if you want to try some, I'm going to give you a lot of recommendations um, and I'll kind of try to go through quickly what the summaries are, not too detailed, because sometimes if we tell you too much, then you've already heard the story and you don't want to read it. So I'm going to just give you a little taste um, and see if, you know, any of those strike your fancy. So first, I can't talk about campus novels without talking about the OG, <laughs> the original campus novel that kind of started this dark academia zone, um, at least in modern times, is The Secret History by Donna Tartt. So this is literary fiction. It is dense. So I'm telling you this as it's the OG. It's not necessarily the one to start with. If you're not into literary fiction or you're in a season that you can't really read dense books, this might not be the one for you. I read this probably 10 years ago um, and I remember it took me a while to read it because at the time I was not a literary fiction reader. Um, so it was a different thing for me to pick up and it's very long. I think it's 600 pages. Um, so don't necessarily pick this one up as your first one but I'm going through it first because it is the original one. It is set in Vermont at, you know, this kind of exclusive college. So think Ivy League. Um, it's centered on these six students and a professor who are classic students. So meaning, you know, classic ancient literature stuff. Um, that's the technical term, you guys. <laughs> classic um, ancient literature yeah, stuff. Classics, Greek, you know, mythology, all of that stuff. Um, so it's got a lot of references and things to those classics. So that's what can make it dense. But somebody dies or people start dying and you have to figure out if it's one of these students or what's going on. It's got that dark um, academia closed kind of feeling, you know, where you're at the university and you don't know who to trust and all that. It is literary fiction. So even though it's suspense, it's not going to be like your wham bam suspense where it's constantly action filled. Lots of character building and stuff. So if you're into character-focused literary fiction, if you like dark books, um, The Secret History is, you know, the original one. If you so would you, like... Go ahead. my attention there. Whenever you said, then, then somebody dies, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I wouldn't probably recommend this to you, Dawn, because it's slower moving and you tend not to gravitate towards literary fiction. So that's usually not your vibe. So if I were to recommend it to readers, um, Dawn, who, people who like what Dawn likes... Um, or probably that's not going to be their, their zone. There are some on this list that will be though. So the next I have is very light. So if you're looking for something that has college set, you know, academia feel, but that is fluffier, it's Finding Felicity by Stacey Cade. So my fellow children of the 80s and 90s, the TV show Felicity, if you are familiar, is set at college, right? And the setup of Felicity is... Felicity is in love with this boy in her high school, right? This is the setup of the TV show. So to be clear, um, she's in love with a boy in her high school that's never really noticed her. And I think in the first episode, it's been a while since I watched the show, but in the first episode, he like, as they're ending school, you know, high school, 
um, he says something to her that gives her hope that he could be interested in her. So she ends up following him to college in New York. So she changes where she's going to college to follow him. So in a horror book, this would be a stalker story. Yes, I was <laughs> going to say, that could have taken a hard left right there. Right. right. So I'm telling you guys that because in the book Finding Felicity, the main character in the book is obsessed with the show Felicity. And so she ends up doing a similar thing and following someone to college um, when she, you know, falls for this guy. So if you are the person who watched Felicity or has rewatched Felicity like I have, and you want that kind of romancy, you know, kind of Dawson's Creek, but in college vibe, this is the book for you. Really fun, you know, lighthearted book. So that's my non-dark, scary <laughs> recommendation. That might be the only one. Um, I think there's one at the end that's a romance. Okay. <laughs> so my next is Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. This one's got a really cool cover. Um, it's like black cover with silver writing and there's a snake. Although I'm afraid to say snake. Dawn had a snake in her house this week, so I don't want to traumatize you. Yes, there was quite, quite the traumatic event. If you need the story, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram, but I almost had to move again, like immediately <laughs> that night, just me and my car keys. We almost had to leave. You can always come to my house, Dawn. We're mostly snake-free, I think. <laughs> so, but okay, so Ninth House um, by Lee Bardugo is set at Yale. So the main character is offered a free ride to Yale. And she has no idea why, um, but it's Yale. So she takes it, kind of wondering what is the catch. Um, and the catch is that there's a sinister occult activity going on at Yale. So this That's is always the catch, right? I mean, like, how many times do you get offered a free scholarship to an Ivy League school and there's a sinister occult that's going to screw everything up? Totally. It should say that in the acceptance letter. You've been accepted, but you have to become part of occult activity. Yes. Um, yes. So if you're familiar with Lee Bardugo, she wrote um, Shadow and Bone, so that TV series that's on Netflix now, the YA series. This one is more adult. She's, you know, it's college set. Um, but if you've read those, it's the same kind of vibe with action and stuff. But I feel like it was, I actually liked Ninth House better than Shadow and Bone, even though I really, really like Shadow and Bone. Um, it's a little bit more mature, I guess, is the way to say it. So picture Gale with an alternative kind of paranormally, you know, secrets that they've been keeping. I love that it was set at a real school because a lot of times they make up a college for these books. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really interesting that she picked Yale and used actual things that are at Yale. I don't know if she went there or not, but she has, she must have some familiarity with it, but. I wonder yeah, how so. Yale feels about that though. Right. <laughs> they, they have a disclaimer at the bottom of their acceptance letters. Right. Now, by the way, we are not, a, we do not have cult related activities. Right. Or maybe they're like, man, we really have to hide our occult related activities. <laughs> they have found they, out. Yes. So. If you're into that kind of, there's some, you know, paranormal kind of spooky vibes to it, but it's set in the real world. So it's not, you know, in a fantastical universe or anything. Um, I will warn you that it came out like two years ago, I think. And it ends where you really want a second book. I can't remember the details if it's full out cliffhanger or partial, but I remember like searching the internet of when is this next book coming out? Um, but her Shadow and Bone series got picked up by Netflix. And I think she's writing some of the episodes so my guess is that this got put on the side so I'm giving you a warning that you're going to want more when you finish the book and the book two is not out yet but I believe that it's supposed to be one day so I am patiently waiting for book two of Night House okay so 
My next one is lighter. So this is the romance I promised you guys, because despite being a romance author, um, I don't actually read a lot of romance lately. I think partially it's because I don't want to accidentally, you know, influence my own writing too much by other romance authors. But in general, I just read a really wide variety. I feel like that inspires my writing better to get inspired outside of my own genre. So anyway, I do have a good um, romance recommendation for you. Fair warning, disclaimer, everything before this. This is erotic romance, you guys. So this one, if you're shy about love scenes, is not the one for you, okay? But it's Misadventures with Professor by Sierra Simone. So this is not set on campus, but the setup is um, the main character is going to work for a professor. So that is, she's going to be an assistant. I think it's might be during like summer break or winter break or something. Um, and she's going to be his assistant. And so she goes and flies into town or whatever. And the first night she decides that she wants her first wild night. Um, she's kind of lived this quiet kind of closed existence. She, she is a virgin and kind of wants to divest herself of that. So she's college age and wants to kind of have this wild night before she's going to go to this job. So she meets up with someone and has this night and the next day shows up at her job and realizes that the guy she slept with was the professor she's working for. So there's so, some awkwardness for yes. you. So oops. Um, and then misadventures with the professor. So misadventures happen after that. Of um, course, shenanigans ensues. Yes. So if you want a steamy, you know, sexy book and you're not afraid of love scenes, um, that is one that is quite the page turner. So, all right. My next one is also set on a campus because we're doing campus novels, right? Um, this one I just read recently or I listened to it actually on um, audio. So it's on Hoopla for those of you who use Hoopla for your library. You can get it there, but it's Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Kurian. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it will be in the show notes so you can click it. So this one has a really cool setup. It's a group of students who have been selected to be in a study, but they are also freshmen. So they're freshmen at this college. They're going to be in a study because they've all tested as psychopaths. So you have a bunch of psychopaths together. They don't know who each other are. So it's all confidential, but throughout the book, they're going to find each other. Um, but the main character, I really liked her because the thing about psychopaths is they have no conscience, right? So no kind of empathy and all of that stuff. So being in her head, it's a female um, psychopath, being in her head was funny because of the way she looks at the world. Like she just doesn't have any like guilt about things or she, ha she has no fear. So she'll go do something because she's like, of course I can go kill this guy. You know, <laughs> like I won't get caught. I'm great. They're overly confident, all of this stuff. So she starts out, she's in this program, but she has plans to kill this guy from high school that did something to her. And that's not a spoiler. That's the you know, set up in the beginning of the book. So she's there with a plan that she's going to take out this guy. However, during her plans of doing this, she meets some of the other people in the study. And then some of the people in the study start to get killed. The psychopaths themselves start to get murdered. And so there's a mystery um, layered into it, but really like dark humor and it jumps, you know, POVs. So point of view, it is in her head. And then also two other um, of the students so you get a bunch of different perspectives and usually I don't like too many perspectives, but in this case it worked and they're all like so funny in their own way. So dark book, if you don't like a dark book, it, it is dark humor, um, but it's a really unique perspective. And it reminded me a little bit of Don, have you watched the show you 
um, YOU? I've not. I've heard about it. But I have to say, this book, Never Saw Me Coming, really does intrigue me. I think I'm going to have to put that on my TBR. Yeah, I think it would work for you because there is a lot of like plot and, you know, it is a mystery. And um, me and Dawn sometimes joke because in a mystery, I don't care who did it. I really am all about the the journey there and the characters. And Dawn thinks I'm damaged. <laughs> that is absolutely a fault. How can you not care who did it? That is the whole point. We have to know who did it and why. I mean... I want to know. I don't want it to end on a cliffhanger and you don't know, but like, I don't care who it is. So like, if it's this guy or that girl or this guy or that, like, I don't care. I just, that's not, that's not real why I'm reading, I guess. So. And I will also say when I'm reading a really good mystery and I'm completely drawn into it, I will randomly text Ronnie, even if she hasn't read the book, I will randomly text her and be like, okay, page 175, George did it. And then I'll keep, (laughs) So that I can, I can document the moment that I know who did it and if I'm right. Right. And I respond to those texts with noted. <laughs> so in the next book I'm going to talk about, actually, that leads me to the next one because I read this one first and I recommended it to Dawn. And then while she was reading it, she was texting me, I think this person did it or I think this person did it. And I'm sitting over here like twiddling my fingers, you know, <laughs> and, and smiling evilly like, yes, that's who you think did it. Um, so she does note her guesses and I keep that in mind um, and I enjoy it when she's guessing wrong because <laughs> so, that means the writer did a good job. So that makes me happy that it's because we all want to be tricked, right? Like if we're reading a book with a mystery or suspense, like the point is to be tricked. And if they can't trick us and we feel smarter than the writer, then it's not as fun. But so the book I'm talking about is In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. The setup of this one is the main character went to college with this group of people and now it's time for the 10 year reunion and she's going to go back and she has this like, I need to prove myself thing going right so she's, she feels like she was kind of always on the outside or that they kind of sparkled brighter than her and that she was almost faking it in her position in the group so she has this like insecurity that she's going to go and show them that. I have this great job now. My life is so wonderful and I'm so pretty and um, she's not overly likable. So if you need a really likable character, not the one, but she goes back and there was a murder back in the day, right? Am I getting this right, Dawn? Yes. Yes. It's a dual timeline. And so you see what's happening present day and then you see what's happening back during college days. And one of the group ends up getting murdered. Yes. And they never found out who did it but one of the people in the group has been accused of it yes um but you don't necessarily know if that person actually did it or not and that's what the book is going to go through to find out what actually happened I love a dual timeline the first book I wrote was a dual timeline um so I love that feeling of seeing people and characters in a different um time of their life a different level of maturity 10 years ago in college is way different than adulthood So for me in that book, I really like the college timeline better, Um, but that's kind of always the case for me with dual timelines. I usually like one more than the other, uh, which is fine. But this one will give you mystery vibes and suspense. It gives you dark academia kind of things because they're at the college campus for the reunion. Um, Dawn did not get it right on who did it. I did not. I loved the book and I loved, like I was putting it all together And I loved the moment when I realized I'd been wrong because the author played fair. 
Like, I, and that's my big thing, as y'all will hear throughout this, is you can't just have somebody drop out of the sky who we've never heard of and, oh, they did it. Well, I had no clues for that. Give me my clues. But there's like one line or two that pop up that you're like, oh, that's who did it. And then by that time, um, you find out slightly before the characters do, but then you're, I was, I could not hit my Kindle fast enough to see how the rest of them were going to find out and what was going to happen and what the fallout was going to be. And yes. Yeah. And I guessed wrong too. And I guessed differently than you. Right. So I was tricked from somebody else. So (laughs) that's usually proof, you know, to me of a good, well-designed mystery because the red herrings worked and we got different red herrings, you know, two different people. Um, So I really enjoyed that one. I read it really you read it faster than me I think I read it in like two days you read it like one night or something yeah I started it at like three in the afternoon and that was not a good idea (laughs) because at one in the morning I really didn't want to text you and be like OMG this is who did it um but yeah I read it over in one setting yeah so if you're a kind of reader who you need a really fast paced like page turning novel that you get bored easily Um, this is a good one to pick up because it really was super fast moving and it had enough plot to please Dawn's plot stuff that she likes. And it had enough character to please me with the character stuff. So when you can find that zone in between, for me, that's like the perfect, you know, recommendation book, but um, so give that one a try if that's what you're looking for. Um, Next one I have, this one has an asterisk next to it. So this is The Maidens by Alex Michaelides don't know how to pronounce it um but he wrote the silent patient so you probably if you're exposed to books at all the silent patient patient was a huge book i read the silent patient i liked this one better other people many other people like the silent patient better so your mileage may vary but this was set at cambridge so college in england um it has a greek mythology professor there's like a secret society called the maidens um there's a murder. So the main character is trying to figure out if the professor is who caused the murder. So she's kind of investigating that. Um, so it has a lot of the secret history vibes from the Donna Tartt book I mentioned at the beginning. It, you can tell it like came from that, you know, inspiration almost. But I didn't love the ending so much for this one. So that's what I'm, my little asterisk for this one is. So I'm telling you, I enjoyed the journey of this one. I liked the setting, the sense of place, being at Cambridge, the whole secret society aspect. I was a little disappointed in the ending. So that one is, you know, one to check out if you liked his silent patient. Um, but, you know, it's not a wholehearted recommendation, I guess. So those are my picks. I told you I had a bunch. <laughs> and those are ones just set at college, you guys. <laughs> so. My list is long. And now I can take a break. Dawn, what are you recommending for us? I will take over. I have to say when we were working out these show notes, I was kind of intimidated by Ronnie's list. I suddenly had like this block of I've never read a book. I don't have any suggestions. I can't add to this conversation. But I definitely came up with some. For the campus novels, Maya Hughes has her Fulton U series. And like I said, fall means football to me. And the Fulton U series is about a members of the football team and they're in college and it's all the fun of college, all the traditions, all that kind of fun stuff and all the interaction and getting to know each other. And really they just form this family like bond type thing. 
And it is a series. My favorite out of the series is the one that is a fourth time charm. And that is a, I'm a sucker for friends to lovers. And it is a friends to lovers. Football player is madly in love with the coach's daughter. And it's just a super sweet, like you just want to hug them. And, but you get all of the campus vibes and you get all of the descriptions of the games and she has a offshoot series of that. That's one of the characters in there. She has a trilogy that is called the falling trilogy. And the first book in it is called the art of falling for you. And this trilogy starts with this couple and it starts with them in high school, like their final year of high school. And it follows them. The first book happens in high school. The second book happens in college. And then the third book happens when they're adults and it really has the the opening of each one has that fall vibe to it because that's where they're starting. Um, I will warn on that one. It is a true trilogy. So like there is a cliffhanger on each one that will have you like, okay, new book, click now, have to read the first, at least first uh, chapter. So I know what's going on. So strongly recommend those. And um, then for some fun seasonal reading, cause you've got all this dark and, <laughs> gloomy and I'm like let's have some fun um Delancey Stewart has a rom-com series called the Singletree series and they are just hilarious laugh out loud complete over the top oh my god that might actually be like my family but I'm not going to admit that to anybody like rom-coms and so uh, the two that would really fit to our topic today is she has one that's falling into forever and um, one that was my favorite that's called Shaking the Sleigh. And it is a girl who hates Christmas who is sent to a town. It's just like a Hallmark movie. It's <laughs> sent to like the Christmas capital of the United States mm-hmm. and her having to work through all of those feelings. So love both of those. I like the idea of the Maya Hughes ones going from high school to college to adult. I haven't seen that in a romance series. So that sounds pretty cool. Yes, and it's so good. It's so like, it it does have a lot of plot to it, but it's got a lot of character and it's got two moments in it that will just rip your heart out and stomp on it. I'm going to apologize for that right now because there's two separate, it's in two of the separate books that like, it just, it it just crushes you. But then it's all okay because, you know, romance. What's the steam level in those? Um, The steam level in the Maya Hughes is going to be, it's not erotic, but it is definitely not closed door. Okay. Same thing with the Delancey Stewart ones. They're, again, not erotic, but they're not closed door. And then if you're looking for something with very clean, I don't like the word clean, yeah. very sweet. Sweet, yes. <laughs> um, there is a sweet, super cute paranormal coming out by Finley Grant that is um, Pinwheels, Potions, and Possibilities. And it involves someone eating the wrong Christmas cookies. And (laughs) something paranormal happening. (laughs) Yes, and something paranormal happening. So it's a really sweet, like, Hallmark movie type with a little bit of a paranormal twist to it. Nice. Is that one Halloween themed? Um, That one, um, the Pinwheels, Potions, and Possibilities, it it happens um, over Christmas. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, so... One of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast is because me and Dawn have such different reading tastes. So we hope you got a feel for that in these recommendations that we cross over on some, but we also have, you know, kind of disparity in your 
what's the word? Disparate? Yes. See, I'm a writer. I know words. <laughs> you use that one very well. <laughs> so disparate reading taste. So if you've never listened to book podcasts, I know a lot of you probably have, but if you're new to this, um, one thing to note is when you try some of our recommendations, because you're going to go try some, right? Like you're going to go pick up these books and try, find out which one of us you kind of resonate with more, who picks better books for you, because that really can help you going forward, um, learning more about what your reading tastes are. And it goes back to what we talked about in our first episode with DNFs and all of that. Um, the more you know, like that old, you know, star across the screen for <laughs> the after school specials, the more you know, um, the more you know about your reading life, the better it's going to be. So well, then pop into our Facebook group and tell us if you try out these recommendations or if you have your own recommendations, because we love getting recommendations too. 100%. Yes, please come tell us your fall books, your campus books, your love story books that are set, you know, during the fall. We love it. Plus other people who are listening can get, you know, recommendations from you guys. So, well, now it's, even though we've done lots and lots of recommendations, it is time for the rad reading pick of the week for each of us. Now, these books are different in the way of we're picking something that's like our top five-star extra special kind of books. So the other ones we all love and are recommending, but these are like the ones that we really are near and dear to us and that we want to put on our big list on our website of like the ones that we recommend. So Dawn, do you want to start us off with your rad recommendation of the week? Sure. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, I really don't do seasonal reading. That's not something I've sought out before. Um, I did do a Halloween book, just getting trying out this whole seasonal reading thing. And I'm going to talk about that during our Halloween episode, because not all Halloween books have to be scary. I'm just going to put that out there. So I went for my rad recommendation of the week. I went with something that is more atmospheric, that really puts you into that world and makes you feel like you're there and you can get like a 4D reading experience. And so my recommendation is The Lost Man by Jane Harper, which I'm a Jane Harper fan. We'll just get that out of the way right now. But it is set in Australia. And you really, I like, I've never been to Australia, but I feel like I've been to Australia. And this one is a mystery of, there are three brothers who are cattle ranchers in Australia. And one of the brothers ends up dying and, but he dies out on land where they don't know why he was there. They don't know why he didn't have any water with him because that is a huge thing. They're basically taught since birth is you do not go out into this area unless you have water with you. And it had a great mystery to it. It also had a lot of character driven things in it because you learn so much about this family and you really get into the family dynamic and what happened. And so that would be my recommendation. Okay. That is an, another one that me and Dawn differ on the type of author that we read and everything. So Jane Hopper, I tried um, one of her books and the plot, too much plot for me. <laughs> so, but I will say her sense of place, because I tried the first one, which is the dry and her sense of place really was, it makes you thirsty, like, yes. you know, because it's the description of the setting was so great. So yeah, if you like a book with a strong sense of place, that, that is an author who knows how to do that really well. My rad read of the week is the invisible life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Um, so this book is got a paranormal element to it, but the setup is Addie LaRue has been granted 
eternal life. So she'll never die. However, the curse that she has um, that someone put on her is that no one can remember her. So if she meets someone, as soon as they turn away, they've forgotten who she is. So if she walks into, you know, a restaurant and orders something, they walk away and they never remember that she ordered. They've already forgotten her as soon as they turn away. So she goes through life and it, it spans a huge amount of time. I can't remember, but it's hundreds of years, I think, in the book. It's been a while since I read it. Um, but no one can remember her, which means you can't form relationships. You're always alone. Um, do you really exist if nobody can remember you, right? Like, so it's all this kind of philosophical feeling about stuff until one day a boy remembers her. So that's the setup of the book of what happens then. So why does he remember her? Is he like her? Um, what does this mean? All that. That hook, if that's not enough to get you in, I can just tell you it was one of my favorite books of the year. Uh, I think it was last year. I, I have no sense of time when it comes to my reading. I'm like, I just read that. And then I look and it was 2017. So <laughs> I don't remember when I read this. I believe it was last year though. Um, but it was one of my top books and the sense of atmosphere, the, the premise, the way she you know develops the characters. It was just an enriching kind of like full immersive experience reading that book. I still think about it. Um, I still remember the character, you know, like I feel like she's a real person. Um, so I just thought it was so well done and, you know, we'll read other things by that author because it was new to me author and I'm not a huge paranormal reader. So for me to pick it up, it was kind of, I think it was a book of the month pick or something. So um, I'm a book of the month club member. And a lot of times they pick books that maybe I wouldn't have found otherwise. And I give a try and sometimes that's successful. Sometimes it's not, but for this one, it was like, yes, I love this. Um, so I've recommended it to a lot of people. Dawn, I think you would like this one. I think it has really intricate plot and a little magic and, you know, mystery and all of that kind of wrapped in, it kind of spans a bunch of different genres, but definitely would highly recommend that one if that's, you know, your vibe. That one has been on my TBR list for a while. I remember it was everywhere mm -hmm. when it first came out and then it just kind of got buried. So that might be when I need to go back and revisit. Yeah, and I think it's a real, I mean, I wasn't trying to theme this for fall for this one, but I really do think it has fall vibes to it. Like it's like, do you picture books? This is a weird question probably, but do you, when you picture a book of what happened in a book, do you picture it in like shades of color, like Instagram filter color? Oh, well, yeah, you totally, well, I see like the whole scene. Like, okay. I feel like when I picture like the invisible life of Battle of the I picture like oranges and like mm. yellows and like sepia kind of tones. And so that's what makes me think fall, but I kind of have books like summer books. I think of like bright yellows, yellows. and blues and yeah. So I feel like I have like Instagram filters on books. And so that puts them into a season for me. So I don't know if that's weird or not, but if you're out there and you think that too, let me know that I'm not alone. <laughs> okay, you guys. So that is our seasonal reading fall episode. Um, we hope you found some books that you want to pick up. And if you do, like we said, you know, let us know. You can let us know on the Facebook page. Come visit us. If you're new to the podcast, please remember to subscribe because then it'll let you know every time we have a new episode. Um, and Dawn, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are doing book journals. We are doing reading upgrades, which are ways to really bring some creativity and kind of expand your reading life. And we are doing book journals. And I'm so excited because it's going to be fun. Yes. So if you're into crafting at all or like pens and stickers and pretty notebooks, um, this is going to be the episode for you. I am super passionate about reading journals, so I'm going to have lots of nerdy things to say, but I'm looking forward to it. And 
Until next time, you guys, we hope every book you pick up is rad reading. Bye. Bye.